Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Sunday, August 8th. I do apologize for the background noise. I am recording this podcast live on the grounds of the City Open, the tournament in D.C. Coming to a conclusion today, we should have an outstanding men's singles final as we've got Mackie McDonald, the 2016 NCAA singles and doubles champion, a guy who has made multiple fourth rounds at majors, but never an ATP-level final until today. He's going to take on the face of the next-gen ATP 2.0. Of course, Yannick Sinner's rise on the ATP Tour. It's been dramatic. It has certainly been noticeable. He's now made his fourth ATP final in the last 52 weeks. He's comfortably inside the top 20 of the ATP rankings, and he's not even 20 years old, and it takes two seconds of watching him play to realize how abundant the talent he possesses is, of course, that power tennis. I had a coach on site say that they have never seen someone routinely hit the ball that big since maybe, you know, excluding prime Rafa and just the heaviness of that forehand. And, you know, again, it was a credible coach. It wasn't just something I overheard in the crowd to hear others, peers of Yannick Sinner speak of him that way. That speaks to his talent. Again, should be a fantastic final. What I want to do on today's show is break down these past two days of the City Open. I do apologize for the lack of podcasts over these past two days. It's just been difficult to find the right time. You know, these press conferences pop up on you, and then, of course, by the time everything's wrapped up, play concludes. It's like 11, 12 o'clock. I got to drive back to D.C. I get there. My buddy is in the apartment sometimes, and he doesn't want me to record that late, or I am just drained, and I've been passing out as I have these past two days. But nevertheless, I feel like I owe all of you listeners an update on how we got to these finals. I will be doing an update on what happens in the final later today. I will also, of course, be breaking down everything else that's happened this week across the professional tennis world. I haven't missed Danielle Collins' run out in San Jose. She's been phenomenal all week long, and, you know, obviously for her to knock out on Anaconia in the fashion she did yesterday, that's a match that deserves its own breakdown, but I haven't quite had enough time to watch enough of the highlights, enough of the match to talk about it the way I want to talk about it. Of course, Daria Kasakina has had a fantastic run this week as well. We've had some interesting action happening elsewhere on the WTA Tour, the Challenger Circuit. I'm going to save those topics for when I talk about today's City Open Finals. So again, on today's show, I just want to talk about the action on the grounds here in D.C. Of course, before I can do that, I have to remind all of you listeners that the reason these podcasts are made possible day in, day out is because of the support we get from all of you, from our Crack Rackets Patreon family, and of course, from our friends over over at Tennis Point. You may have heard me say it last week. If you are going to Cincinnati, let us at Crack Rackets know. Our plan to do a live show on quarterfinal Friday on the grounds of the Western Southern Open. We're still working a few things out 
but with our friends over at Tennis Point, we are certainly excited to be able to do that. Obviously, we'll be taking requests on the topics you want us to cover. It'll obviously be Western and Southern centric, but of course, anything else you'd like us to hit, we are certainly hoping for the chance to do that. So again, shout out to our friends at Tennis Point for making that possible. Shout out to all they do for everyone out there in the tennis world. If you need to update your equipment, you can find the best gear at the best prices by going to their website, tennis-point.com. Use our promo code CR15. Not only will you get 15% off your order, you'll get free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. Again, it's tennis-point, the simple, not the spelling, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With that in mind, let's start with Mackie McDonald's run to this ATP final here at the City Open. He's been spectacular all week long. You just look at the run of matches. He's accumulated the wins he had. It starts in the round of 64 primetime match, heavily partisan towards Nick Kyrgios crowd here in D.C. Mackey beats him in straight sets, 4-4, four and four. and then you know, in that performance, obviously the pressure Nick puts on you on serving, yet all week long it started there. I'm not saying he's the best returner on tour. Let's not be ridiculous. Obviously Novak Djokovic lives in a stratosphere above everyone else, but you're not going to tell me you know that of 10 guys with better feel on the return than Mackie McDonald. And he says it openly in his press conferences. He's confident he can break anyone's serve, put enough returns in play, catch that ball early. And of course, his contact point, perhaps the single most beautiful thing about Mackie McDonald's game. He leverages his ability, or his athleticism, excuse me, his quickness to take that ball early on the rise, hit it flat down the line. His on-the-run forehand I apologize for swearing. It's a f***ing joke. It's an absolute joke. It's just unbelievable the way Mackie McDonald is able to hit that ball full slap on the run, and yet he brings it down back in the court every time, the pace he's able to generate. It's honestly, when he's on the run hitting that forehand, I know this is a bold comparison. It's Delpo-esque. It really is. That's how well he connects with it, of course fantastic feel around the court as well. Can work in the drop shot. Comfortable moving forward. Again, an NCAA singles and doubles champion. He's not just a guy who knows what to do and where to go with the first volley. He has good hands. He is a good volleyer. Of course, for him in his career, you look at his size, generous 5'11", 6 feet. I mean, you know, he's never lacked in calf strength and athleticism, but he can't generate the 120 to 130 pace that so many of these next geners can. And of course, you look for Mackenzie McDonald on uh, his stats in his career. He's been a guy who, even at the ATP Tour level, has had a break percentage above 20% in his career. And you look at it at the challenger level, you know, where it was when he was making his rise 27.8, you translate that number into the top 50 at the ATP Tour level, that 27.8 number would be a top 10. So again, he was breaking challenger players at the rate that top 10 players do on the ATP Tour, it proved he was ready to move on to that next level. And it's worth reminding everyone, in case you've forgotten, you know, again, I said it at the top, Mackie McDonald's made two fourth rounds at Grand Slams. He was inside comfortably the top 100 and finding his way on the ATP Tour when in 2019 suffered a devastating hamstring injury, and it took him so much time uh, to recover from that injury. But he has, and he is fully healthy now 
and you can just see that when he is on court. And so, again, I think when we talked about him, I did a podcast uh, with Judson Wall early, very early in the season, previewing American men's tennis in 2021. And, you know, we both kind of laughed, but I was like, I think I have 14, 15 guys who I think should end the year in the top 100. That's what happened. I'm going to have West Duff go find that clip because, sincerely, that is a, a prediction we made. And you look in the live rankings right now, 14 Americans are in the top 100. I'm not saying American tennis is back because certainly we have a plethora of depth. We've got guys like, and here's a tangent for you. I said I was going to focus on Mackie. The tangent was inevitable, folks, but you know, you obviously still have Isner lingering in the top 50. He just won a title in Atlanta. He's seemingly not going anywhere in the immediate future. You know, we saw Stevie Johnson make a quarterfinal here. Dennis Kudla, guys like that. Sam Query, who still have top 100 talent. You've obviously got the original next-gen crew, Fritz, Opelka, Tiafo, Tommy Paul, guys like Michael Moe, Stefan Kozlov, still grinding in the challengers. Jared Donaldson hopefully someday returns to the court healthy. Ernesto Escobedo's been making a return of late. But now we've got this next-gen crew as well. Or, McNamee, you notice how I noticed I I completely missed a generation. You've also got the college guys, Mackie McDonald's of the world, Tennis Sandgren's of the world, Marcos Giron's of the world, these guys who are making moves up the pro rankings. And it's just a really good group, a bunch of guys in the mix. And, you know, again, Dennis Kudla had a quote earlier this uh, week that uh, I tweeted out, you know, it doesn't feel like there's a definitive group of top 20 top 30 players on tour. Yes, everyone's chasing Djokovic, but beyond that, sure, Medvedev, Tsitsipas, Zverev, Berrettini, Rublev, those guys, fine. Team, when he's healthy, sure. But, like, outside of that, it really does feel like anyone else can be beaten in any given two out of three set match. And, look, we've got a lot of guys who are going to be in the mix. I don't know if we've got a definitive top 10 talent. I think we do. In Sebastian Corda. I'm really excited to see the continued upsides uh, emerge for Brandon Nakashima and for Jensen Brooksby as well, and even the next-gen guys. I still think, feel very highly on all of Fritz, Tiafo, Paul, and Opelka, but you know, even if we don't have that one defining prospect, even if we don't have a sinner, I think Mackie McDonald, a great uh, encapsulation of just the depth right now in American men's tennis that is slowly starting to emerge. And again, you look for Mackey this week. It wasn't just the win over Kyrgios to start. He was up 5-3, played a really bad streak of games, but then ends up knocking off Benoit Pair 6-7, 6-4, In his second round match, straight sets over Ivashka and Kudla. And against Kudla, it was full-on Mackey ball. And look, Mackey's a guy who's struggled on serve. You look at his numbers at the ATP level, he's only winning 69% of his first serve points. You look at where that number would compete amongst top 50 players, a 69% win percentage on your first serve. That would be in the bottom 10. You know, it would be outside the top 40 of top 50 players. So bottom 20% of top 50 players. And you look, you know, again, the second serve number, similar deal. But you look for Mackey here this week. I mean, he's been outstanding. He won 80% of his first serves against Kyrgios, Ivashka, and Kudla. Last night was a break fest against Kei Nishikori, but he seemed to find the big first serves whenever he needed them. His ability, again, to take that ball early on the rise, his weapons, how physical he can make a match, and just on these hard courts, his quickness, it's never been in question. He ends up beating Nishikori yesterday, 6-4, 3-6, 7-5, and it was funny.
funny, you know, Ben Rothenberg and I, we were talking before the match, I said over under five and a half breaks in this one. And he goes, I'm leaning over. And I go, I'm leaning over too. And they did indeed hit the over. Uh, It was a really, really fun match. Two guys who were dynamic from the baseline and what was so impressive about Mackey is that he could handle the pace of Nishikori and dish some additional pace right back at him. And look, it's crazy to say, but right now, Mackey's the fitter player of the two. And I think as the third set wore on, you could see that uh, fact play out. And, you know, again, against Kudla, it was the everything you love from Mackey. The ball striking, taking the ball early, finishing points decisively at the net. It's been a really, really good week for Mackey McDonald, who, again, qualifies for his first ATP final, ATP Tour level final uh, here this week at the City Open. You look for him now in the rankings. He goes from starting the week at number 107, back comfortably inside the top 70. Mackey McDonald currently at number 64. A win today against Yannick Sinner would get him up to a new career high of number 52 in the rankings. Most impressively, perhaps, I'm not going to give you the ELO rating number because I think he's like 92 right now, but in terms of the race to the year-end finals... Mackie McDonald's 30th. And you look at the resume he's put together this season. 48-25 and 25 overall. He's won a challenger title. He made the fourth round of the Australian Open. He beat Lloyd Harris, who's obviously had a great year. Beat Nadal here at the City Open. Beat Chorich. Beat Chechenata before getting knocked out by Medvedev. And, you know, qualifies for Wimbledon before losing a really fun four-set match to Karen Hetchinov. And just... You know, he's gone the hard route this year. He went to Europe. He went and played the Clays and qualified in Munich and, you know, went and played a couple of challengers at the clay court level, made a semifinal in Hellebron as well. He's done it the hard way, even the semifinal on the grass at the challenger level as well. He, you know, no ego involved in this. He knows you got to play challengers. You got to travel. You got to put in the work to become a top 100 player. That work bearing fruition. I mentioned uh, this to him in his post match press conference. He's won 71.1% of his first serve points this year. That's obviously a career high for him at the ATP level. It speaks to his continued improvement, both physically, mentally, the selections he's making, and just. You know, because he is a guy who has been streaky at times, you know, minimizing those bad streaks, minimizing the downturns and giving yourself a little bit more margin early in the rally. I mean, Mackie's been incredible and thoroughly deserving of reaching this semifinal, uh, of this final, excuse me, last night again, a spectacular 6-4-3-6-7-5 win over Kane Nishikori. And by the way, this was a really good week for Nishikori. And if you're a Kane Nishikori fan, he is absolutely trending in the right direction. He came into this week, I know it's crazy to say, ranked number 67 in the world. You look for Nishikori now with this result, he is should be, I should say, moving back up the rankings. He is currently at number 55. Uh, after the semifinal here this week. And again, for him to beat Lloyd Harris, the big hitter, for him to out-physical Cam Norrie in three sets, for him to withstand the serves of the Bublicks, the query early on in this event, I think this was a really good tournament for him. I think it bodes well for him moving forward as well. And I just think he looked fit. Again, it was a quarterfinal for him in Tokyo. He follows it up the week after by making the semifinals here. That's super, super impressive. He talked about finally feeling healthy for the first time in a couple of years in his post-match press conference. You can go hear his answers on the Cracked Interviews podcast. By the way, you can hear from all of the semifinalists. We had Nishikori, we had Mackey, we had Sinner, we had Brooksby. It was in their press conferences. We were able to record them, but we have audio and clips you guys can hear from these players themselves, their thoughts on their matches, their trends. Certainly, Mackey McDonald feeling confident back inside the top 100 where he belongs into his first ATP final. Again, a three-set win for him in the semifinals over Kei Nishikori. 
That was semifinal number one, and that was the run I wanted to talk about, of course, because Mackie, a near and dear friend here on our Cracked Racket shows, he's been so kind to give us so much of his time over the years, but let's talk about that Sinner-Brooksby match. I mean, look, it's going to be easy to talk about because it was super, super exciting, and I mean, Jensen went toe-to-toe to him with him in set number one. Ultimately, it was Sinner advancing. He wins that first set 7-6, uh, takes the second set 6-1. There were a couple of critical moments, but before we get to, you know, the 30. 40 Jensen Brooksby point at five all before uh, on his serve before we get to the love 40 lead Brooksby built in Yannick Sinner's 5-6 service game I want to just again point out an adjustment Brooksby made tactically to start this match and it's an adjustment that I think is the most impressive thing I saw from him this week and it's actually why in his loss I was most impressed by the Brooksby performance I saw in the semifinals. And that's because, you know, Brooksby is a guy, I've said it all week long, death by high percentage tennis. That's what he does. It's the 70% play over two and a half hours. His bet, physically, mentally, tennis-wise, he's just going to beat you over that time with the math. And look, all week long, it paid dividends for him. You look at the results Brooksby was able to put together this week to, you know, beat Rusevori Korda, uh, or excuse me, not Rusevori and Korda, if that was the center results, for him to beat Anderson, Tiafo, FAA, Millman, all in straight sets coming into this semifinal round. It's crazy. I mean, you've got the big serving of Anderson on center court where that ball kicks up an additional two feet. You've got the huge hitting of FAA, the physicality of Millman, the everything that a locked-in Tiafo throws at you in front of his home crowd. And yet, you know, Brooksby wore all of them down over time. And yet, in this match, that was not going to be an option against Yannick Sinner because if you afford him time in the rally, he's going to make you pay. And very early in this match, you could tell tactically, Jensen knew he had to pull the trigger a little bit earlier, be a little bit more aggressive from the baseline, taking the ball a little bit earlier and using his uh, moving his court position a little bit closer to the baseline. Of course, he's got such incredible hands. He's the best bad volleyer I've ever seen. You're taught from the time you're eight years old, don't bring your hands across the volley on the backhand the way he does, and yet his feel, his touch, so good. He's able to pull it off. I mean, Jensen's been outstanding, and yet, again, in this match, he knew I have to be a little bit more aggressive because if I give a ball in the center third of the court and just throw a neutral ball at Yannick, now he's got control, and he's going to go big, and he is going to pull the trigger, and that's exactly what Sinner was able to do with success, although it's worth noting, through the first five games for each of them, you know, very little opportunities, even within the service games, very little 30-all points, and it did feel like Sinner was having more success early in the first set than Brooksby was in Sinner's uh, service games, but look... 5-all, 30-40, Jensen Brooksby down. What does he do to fight off the match point, uh, the set break point, excuse me? Throws in a backhand drop shot. The guts to pull that shot off speaks to a guy who's got it rolling right now, who's playing with house money. And obviously, you know, for him then, he ends up holding in that game. As always in the match, you look for Brooksby makes 68% of his first serves, 60% of his first serves won, won 53% of his second serves. You know, that's, that's just what Jensen Brooksby does. It's high percentage uh, tennis over and over and over again. But look, 5-6, love 40. Here's what I'll say. On the love 40 point, Yannick hits a huge first serve. Nothing Brooksby can do about that one. 15-40. There's an exchange. Brooksby gets the return deep in the court. Sinner hits a backhand slice. It was an awkward position for Brooksby for sure, but he tries to hit a slice response. He misses it in the net. 
you always probably, for a guy who's death by high percentage, really you want to respond with that ball, how low it was by not just insure. I mean, it was a tough shot. It was a tough shot. I don't think that's the one he's going to kick himself about. 30-40, he had a second serve return that he makes 99% of the time, and he wasn't able to do it. And that was certainly a noticeable thing uh, in this. You know, that's the one he's going to go back on the film. He's going to notice. Joe's going to notice. His coach, Joe Gilbert, everyone's going to notice because that was the one where I was sitting in the press box and even I knew it. Like, this is not going to happen. Like You're just like, this is not a ball he misses. And it was the rare blink for Brooksby. And so, you know, when you're playing someone like Yannick Sinner, that's your opportunity. That's your moment. And Sinner's able to hold then. And we get to the breaker. Some big serving by Sinner mixed in with some uncharacteristic errors from Brooksby. And Sinner takes a 7-2 second, uh, first set breaker. And then after he lost that first set, that was the first time you could sort of see the physicality of the week. All of the tennis Brooksby has played finally caught up to him. And again, it's fine. You look for Jensen Brooksby, 38-8 in his last 52 weeks. Inside the top 100 now in the rankings for the first time in his career. He'll start next week at number 99. And he's got a main draw wild card into the Canada Masters as well. You look for him in terms of where he's in in the race. He's been a top 50 player this year. He's accumulated the 46th most points on the ATP Tour, of course. ELO ratings have him in the top 40s. You look at his break-of-serve numbers. If translated to the ATP level, as they are starting to, He's like a top 15 returner already, and that serve, just how high percentage he plays, he does seem to have success holding. It's so impressive, but we've talked enough about Brooksby. Let me just do two seconds on the Yannick Sinner in-person experience. First of all, he doesn't look as big on the screen as he is in person. I know he's listed at 6'2". I never believed that, but seeing him in person, he's 80% arm. I mean, that arm... It just extends forever. His legs so freaking long, and it just feels like he always gets that extra half inch on the slide because of that length and just, again, the relentless firepower, forehand wing, backhand wing, over and over and over again. He just hits the ball so big, and then perhaps his most underrated skill is how good of a finisher he is at the net already, and him and Corda made the uh, double semifinal here, I know, but just he knows exactly where he wants to go with the first volley against Brooksby, a great adjustment he did when Brooksby would throw up that neutralizing, you know, ball in the air to try and buy himself time. Sinner took it out of the air, and whether it was a swinging volley, whether it was just a high forehand volley, hit that ball decisively, could hit the drop volley second response, has nice touch on the drop shot as well. He, you know, the power tennis is what stands out, but he does not lack in feel. He does not lack in know-how at the net, and perhaps his ability to finish at the net, corresponding with the glaringly obvious weapons he has from the baseline, I think that's why he's a top 20 guy already. That's what separates him from the other next-gen ATP 2.0 guys that aren't named Felix Ogier Aliasim, and the Sinner FAA argument is one we'll have on a different time, and maybe we'll just do a special podcast. I'll make the case for FAA. I'll let someone else make the case for Sinner. Not that I'm saying I'm on the FAA bandwagon versus the Sinner one. I think they're both going to be outstanding. They're both in my six locks to win slams this decade, but I mean... The craziest thing for Yannick Sinner, and I tweeted this out, the lowest of low-hanging fruits, he's not a good server yet by any ATP metric. He's 41st amongst top 50 players in first serve win percentage, 33rd in hold percentage. Now, he's 15th in second serve points one, and that's an interesting little nugget, and it speaks to, I think, his upside as a server and why I call it low-hanging fruit because... Again, we know what he's able to do with a plus-one ball. We know how proficient he is from the baseline. It just feels like his serve's not that good yet. And guess what? He 
he's 19 years old. That's the one thing every coach everywhere says you can always get better at no matter who you are throughout the course of your career is your serve. And he's not even holding at an 80% rate, 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 yet, rate yet, yet in, in his uh, career. Again, he's number 33 in hold percentage yet. You look for his numbers here this week. You know, he's been broken a total of three times in four different wins. Like, And all three of his breaks came against Sebastian Corda. Uh, Corda was the one who got all three of those breaks and built that big 5-2 lead. Uh, in that second set, but outside of that, he's been holding serve and he's been money. You know, he's won over 80, uh, he's won, I believe, 85% of his first serve points this week. And just, you know, again, Stevie Johnson, he just, every first serve to the backhand, every first ball to the backhand, he just broke him down. He did exactly what you have to do against Stevie and executed it flawlessly. I'm all in on the Yannick Sinner bandwagon, who's obviously, again, fourth ATP final. It's the second most of any player born 2000 or later. And, you know, again, it's an ATP 500 level final as well, the highest level he's reached that final. You look for him 44 and 21 in his last 52 weeks. He's 20 and 14 against top 50 opponents. He's 8 and 10 against the top 20, 3 and 8 against the top 10. But I just think those numbers are going to get better and better and better. Again, 19 years old. The talent is so obvious. It was so funny to hear him talk about Jensen Brooksby as if Brooksby was the younger player of the two of them. But I'm all in on the Sinner experience. Finally getting to see him in person. It You know, the in-person eye test matches the on-screen eye test. Guy's a stud, and he's one of my six. I'll reiterate them again. If I have Zverev, Medvedev, Tsitsipas, uh, I have FAA, I have Sinner, and I'm missing someone in my group who else belongs in there. I'll think of it later. Again, it's been a lot of tennis for me this week, but I guess those are my five. I would go with those five firmly. I think all five of them are certainly going to end up with a Grand Slam title over the next decade. But, you know, again, that's that's not a hot take about Yannick Sinner. A lot of people have been saying that about him for a long time in his career. Again, he competes in the final today against Mackenzie McDonald. In terms of just quickly other City Open takeaways, I'm not going to preview that match because I think by the time you're listening to this, it will likely have started. I do apologize for that. But again, the other City Open takeaways, Lloyd Harris isn't just a forehand. I think that backhand is rock solid. His ability to hit through that ball, how condensed he is on the backswing. And then obviously the big serve, big forehand. He holds serve at a top 20 rate. And, you know, again, he's. I think he will put more returns in play. I don't think there's any fundamental flaws. I actually think pace to the forehand on the serve is probably the play as a server because of how big his backswing can get, but I was really impressed with his game. I thought, I mean, he had his chances against Nishikori, just kind of slipped up there at the end, and then, you know, again, I, I sort of mentioned this already, Stevie Johnson is fit mentally. I, I feel bad. We, I did an interview with him. The audio didn't record, so you're not going to get to hear it, but he talked about how he does just feel comfortable back on court again, how much more enjoyable it is to be a tennis player when he has the opportunity to play in front of fans and just, you know, again, while he loves tennis, it's not, you know, he wants to be a professional athlete as well and just he's fit, he's confident into the quarterfinals, two out of three events. First time he's done that since I believe 2019 or 18 and, you know, again, big result for him heading into a critical hard court uh, summer for him to stay inside the top 100, of course. On the Dennis Kudla band uh, note, he is back inside the top 100, which is a place he belongs. You look for Kudla now. Uh, he will be ranked next week number 90. Uh, that's just going to give him options. Again, he should get into a bunch of different 250 events and things down the home stretch, able to go play the ATP level, give himself a chance to earn more points as opposed to playing challengers. And then, you know, it's clear the relationship between he and coach Robert Lindstedt is p- paying dividends. Certainly, 
again, super, super fun a week for Kudla. Great results for him. But, you know, other City Open takeaways. Shout out to my boy Luca Corintelli. It was great to finally meet him in person. Shout out to getting to chat with him, Damajan, Ryan Shane, Alex Damajan. I, I don't know why I say him. I, again, these are my guys. If you're a longtime listener, you know that was the opportunity perhaps I enjoyed more than anything else. A huge thank you to all the people in the press room who have put up with my nonsense. Shout out to my guy Omar at the ATP who has been super, super helpful in allowing us to record those interviews to get them out to you. Shout out to Steve Pratt as well. I know they're not listening to this, but I owe them. Thanks for all they were able to do this week. And of course, I've thrown him a thank you in every pod. Shout out to my high school doubles partner, Patrick Adams, for allowing me to take his crib throughout the course of this city open again. It's been a really, really fun week, and I know Toronto's right around the corner. I don't know if they're in Toronto or Montreal this year. The Canada Masters, men and women, right around the corner. We haven't talked about it yet. We will. Uh, what's going on in San Jose, in Romania, Maya Sharif inside the top 100. Shout out Pepperdine Waves. Shout out college tennis, Ben McLaughlin, Michael Venus. Uh, ben McLaughlin winning the City Open title, Venus in the final. Um, I, I think Skupski. I don't remember for Neil Skupski. I apologize. But, um, I mean, whether it's them, again, Sharif. Collins, Mackie McDonald, college tennis works, folks. You see it each and every week. It's been super, super fun to be on the grounds. And, you know, again, hopefully all of you listeners have been able to follow everything we've done. If you've missed any of it, player interviews on the Cracked Interviews podcast, you can find it all on the website, crackrackets.com. You need the more immediate updates. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I'm at Great Shot Pod. A shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Leitner and Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job they do day in, day out. A shout out as well to our friends over at Tennis Point. Remember, it's tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With that in mind, for super producers Fligner and Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we will talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com.